He has spoken on the topics faith, family and freedom in Cuba, Belgium, Brazil, Congo, UK and all over the USA to crowds from 14 to 40,000. Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. You know, I have friends that other people look at our relationship and think, you two are friends? Because I would have never suspected that you two would <clears throat> even get along, much less consider each other friends. I mean, you're so different. You, you have so few things in common. But here's what I know to be a truth. Leaders, they connect beyond the stereotypes, Beyond even what society would say, you two should get along because. The little labels, the expectations, the, the framing of who gets along with each other and who can tolerate each other and who can't. And good leaders ignore all that nonsense. And they build relationships on a different level. That's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Now, for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast. I grew up in a small town in Central Texas. You've probably heard me say that before if you've paid any attention to this podcast over the last eight years. But in that small town, there were a very small number of families other than white or Hispanic. We had a lot of both of those, but we had very little of Asian communities or Indonesian communities or Russian communities, European communities. I mean, obviously, we go back two or three generations and find the Irish and the Germans in our culture, but very little. There was one German restaurant in town. There was one Chinese buffet, but it was always a different ownership because there just weren't enough families who were familiar with that cuisine to provide it in our little hometown. And there were only a fistful of African-American families. But in those little circles, in my little redneck town, I had friends from every one of those walks of life. And for the most part, and this seems really bizarre, but in that strange little town where they weren't just minorities in the world, they were very minor minorities in our little hometown, the people that I knew in those communities, the people that I hung out with in those communities, they didn't feel marginalized marginalized for the most part. For the most part, they felt like they were just like everybody else. At least that was the sense that I got from my friends. Now, I can tell you it was years later when I joined the military and began to travel around the world that I began to see that there were these little categories of people that they look like this, they think like this, they act like this, their culture's like this, and you're not supposed to be that way. That's why they're that way, and you're supposed to be a different way. And if you came from that kind of town and you grew up in that part of the world, then, then your customs and your norms are different from them and, and you shouldn't be able to get along. You, you should be different on purpose. Now, there's a whole lot of that kind of mindset and talk that goes into, well, any form of racism, any form of bigotry, any form of intentionally creating divisions to say that one group of people, type of people, education of people, race of people, religion of people is better than another. And the minute you begin to draw those lines and say, this group of people is different from that group of people, then instinctively we ask, why are they different and which one's better? Well, which one's better becomes an issue right up front, doesn't it? Because better is a very subjective question. 
What is better? Better for what? Better in what order? Better for what purpose? A, a butter knife is much better for cutting your bread than a spoon. Can you use a spoon for it? Well, eventually you could, but which is better for it? Well, the tool that's better made for that would be the butter knife or a bread knife, strangely enough. But it wouldn't be a spoon or a fork or a spatula, although some people do cut their grilled cheese with a spatula. Guilty. But the reality is there's, there's a different purpose in leadership and identifying those categories of people. And it has nothing to do with their race, their religion, their background. Sometimes it has nothing even to do with their education. See, I love a, a book called Strength Finders. I, I believe in the leadership studies that I've done over the last 30 years, the relationships that I've had, the people that I've interviewed and hired, the people that I've been hired by, I find Strength Finders to be one of the, I would put it in the number one or two categories of identifying the personalities of different people, what their gifts are, what their strengths are, what their skill sets are like, and what their natural, you ready for this? individual proclivities look like. Their natural individual proclivities. Now, sure, there's going to be some stereotype. There's going to be some people who enjoy math and others who hate math. There are going to be certain people who really love to have deep conversations and others who would rather stay in the world of small talk. And there are people whose culture has raised them to be very bashful, very quiet, very Children are seen and not heard, so don't rise up and make noise and don't let anybody know that you're here. Just keep your nose to the grindstone and carry on. And some of those are purely culturally driven. Some are purely religiously driven. The way you might dress or the way that you would address someone in public. But there's also a natural bent, a natural proclivity that's as individual as your fingerprints. I believe the the numbers were somewhere in the neighborhood of 35 million. One in 35 million people will have an exact match of the top five strengths when you do the strengths finders analysis. Now, when you realize that one in 35 million people is exactly like you, you begin to realize just how unique you are. When we try to take labels and stereotypes and lump people together, for the purpose of categorizing them, for the purpose of understanding who they are, for the purpose of predicting their behavior. It's really a management tool or a measurement tool. It's like sorting all the nuts and bolts from the wood screws and the, and the metal screws that you might keep in your little jar in the garage. It's sorting them for the purpose of managing them. But it completely ignores the uniqueness of every individual. Leaders learn to connect in a way that they say, I, I don't care what your race is, what your educational level is, what your religious background is, what part of town or what part of the world you came from. Here's what I care about, the uniqueness that is you. I want to know that I can have a relationship with you as an individual. Uh, your mannerisms might be indicative of the culture or the stereotypes, the, the education level or the place that you come from. They may actually drive from society right through to your the very way that you use your fork to eat mashed potatoes, as an example. They do that in Texas differently than they do that in London. True story. You've never seen it. Just ask someone. But the way that that culture drives your behavior is entirely different 
than the connection that an individual can have with another individual who's willing to say, I see your individual traits, your personalities, your quirks, your proclivities, your preferences, and I honor them. Uh, there's a word, uh, namaste. Uh, it's an ancient word. It comes mostly from the world around India. But it's an ancient world that a lot of Asian people, a lot of Buddhist people will use. And here's what it means. I recognize or I honor the divine within you. Well, it's not a Christian term, but it is a Christian ideology. I, I recognize that you're made by something greater than me and made by something greater than both of us combined. And because I recognize that, I'm going to treat you with honor. I mean, I wouldn't take a Rolls Royce and go play in the mud with it. I wouldn't. Well, they do in some places in the world. I've, I've seen the videos. But that, that's not what it's made for. That's not its purpose. And I, I wouldn't disrespect or dishonor that thing by trying to destroy it, making it do something it wasn't made for. If I'm going to eat ice cream, I'm probably not going to do that with a butter knife. It wasn't made for that. It's going to make the world a whole lot more complicated. And when you recognize that every individual has a personality, a set of traits and quirks and uniquenesses about them that are as unique as their fingerprint, then understanding where they fit into the world as a whole, where they fit into your world, into your life, into your relationships, into your leadership opportunities, putting them in that space that they have the opportunity to excel in will benefit you both. Trying to eat ice cream with a butter knife is going to be a slow, painstaking process. Switch that to a spoon and suddenly you're enjoying your ice cream a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster. That doesn't mean the butter knife needs to be cast away. Save that for cutting your bread or spreading your butter or your jam. See, the, the reality is in all of our relationships, we tend to do the same thing. We classify people based on a categorical label that they might have received, a stereotype. Maybe it's around racism or religion or, or gender. And because we've heard that these kind of people are good for that kind of thing and nothing else, we tend to put people in those boxes, put them in that category and not ask, what is the uniqueness about you? Listen, if you're a leader and you're leading in a way that lets the stereotypes make decisions for you, pushes you in a way where all the things that people have used a, a certain education level for is really the only thing that you can use that for. That certain kind of person does that kind of thing. Uh, go back and watch Dr. Cootie's first presentation on TED Talks and listen to what she says in her own neuroscience before her brain injury, what her life was like as an extreme introvert. She had no desire to do public speaking. Right? You can listen to her say it herself. It was something about the change in the priorities in her life that made her step out of her box and say, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm going to do what isn't stereotypically my personality type's favorite job because I realize there's a priority that I do that. And when her priorities shifted, her behavior shifted. I think when we allow people to be as unique as they are, to be who they were made to be, and we give them opportunities to excel with those things. When we connect with the who that they are and not the labels or the stereotypes society would have us select them as, we give them a chance to be who they really were wired to be. We learn to lead them by connecting with the individual and not with the stereotype. If you're a leader and you're not taking the time to get to know the people that you serve, 
as their leader to figure out who they are individually, to develop those uniquenesses about them, then I believe you're failing them as a leader. At a minimum, you're not maximizing their potential. You're just utilizing them for what serves you best. And that, in the long run, is not a good move. I challenge you to take the time to get to know people, connect with them on that deeper level. Forget all the stereotypes, the labels, and the selection process that society or your level management would tell you that's who you need to have for this job and get to know the people that you serve with and you're going to find a whole lot more talent hidden beneath the stereotypes than you could ever imagine. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.